it's time to take off on the Award Travel 101 podcast. Helping you maximize your travel rewards, no matter your destination or budget. Now here are your hosts, Award Travel 101 Community Managers, Angie Sparks and Joseph Petrovic, to help you do extraordinary things on Ordinary Money. Welcome to episode 53 of the Award Travel 101 podcast. I'm your host and community manager, Joseph Petrovic. My co-host, Angie Sparks, is off this week with the Tulips in Tampa, celebrating Gasparilla. Have you ever wanted to book a trip on short notice and nearly fainted when you saw the cash prices? Well, this week, we have your lucky Tic Tac. Longtime Award Travel 101 member and owner of Award Travel Vacation, Allison Tackett joins us to share some tips on how to make that close-in trip come to life without breaking the bank in the process. And we'll jump into that right after this. When it comes to award travel, earning points is easier than redeeming them for the best value. Rather than spending hours per trip searching on your own, let Thrifty Traveler Premium's Army of Flight Analysts do the work for you with their customized premium alerts. Since we're seeing award space to more locations than we've seen in years, you will know that you have a partner you can trust watching out for you and that you're getting a great deal every single day from Thrifty Traveler's premium alert service. Whether using miles or points, or you're just looking for a cheap cash flight, Thrifty Traveler Premium will send customized alerts just for you. Just recently, with the help of Thrifty Traveler's premium alerts, I was able to book the brand new Japan Airlines A350-1000 in business class to Tokyo for just 60,000 American Advantage miles and $5.60. I've booked previous alerts like Emirates Business Class from Milan on the A380 for 73,000 points, Iberia Business Class to Venice for 34,000 points, and Business Class on ITAS, or you might recognize it as ITA, brand new A330-900neo for 54,000 points from Rome to New York City. So if you want more premium deal award alerts sent straight to your inbox, head on over to thriftytraveler.com and use promo code AT101 for $10 off your first year and tell us where you're hoping Thrifty Traveler Premium will take you. Hey, Allison, thanks for joining us here on the Award Travel 101 podcast. Hey, Joseph, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We want to jump into this topic because... You had tossed out something interesting to me that I think will be really beneficial to lots of members and listeners of this podcast, because so many of us have been ingrained with, you have to book your trips far out. And that's something that we've been taught from way back when, and there, there is reasoning to that, but you had a little bit different uh, approach and something you wanted to discuss, which is your close-in bookings. And I think there's a lot of good information that can be shared for listeners and members who want to take that next trip and and maybe find themselves with a little bit of extra vacation time or a few days off that they uh, hadn't planned on having. And suddenly, hey, I want to go somewhere. And now what do I do? Yeah, exactly. I think there's like this immense pressure and like the points of miles community to like have to plan so far out. And I know when I first got into it, I bought into it because I was like, okay, that's the only way I'm going to get business class redemptions. But right. on the flip side, it, it can be really easy to find those premium cabin redemptions close in. And by close in, I mean within 60 days of your departure date. Yeah. We were just talking before we started recording about something that I'd found and shared in, in our upper level community award travel 201. And it's all two weeks out only. So there's, you know, if you were looking to try to find this thing 15 days out, you're not going to find it, but 14 days out, you can find it. So not everybody is always planning for that. And, but if you kind of have that in your mind that, Hey, there's going to be something or, or there's likely to be something you can, you can kind of plan around the idea that, Hey, maybe I can leave this day, or maybe I can leave that day, maybe a few days wiggle room. And suddenly you know, you're flying one of those aspirational products that everybody like loves to share their low point redemption and high cash costs. So as we get started, and I want to introduce you to the Award Travel 101 podcast community. And for those who may not have heard you or seen you on Instagram before, I did mention in the intro that you are Lucky Tic Tac. So Allison can be found as Lucky Tic Tac on Instagram. 
and she's going to be sharing some things with us that are really fascinating topics for anybody who's interested in taking this further. So I want to begin with how you got into this. And I know that you've probably been around longer than me in the community. So tell us a little bit about your background and start in travel rewards. Yeah. So I've been doing points and miles for what seems like almost a decade now. And it seems crazy to me to think about that almost a decade. And when I first got into points and miles, I was a public school teacher. So wasn't making a ton of money, had kind of that flexibility in, in the summer, which was nice. But I literally was trying to plan a, a trip with my friends over like Easter holiday and the cash prices were so expensive. Just neither of us could make it work. And I got angry and literally Googled how to travel for free. <laughs> and, you know, back then, 10 years ago, there was not the resources that there are now. You know, there wasn't a lot of people on Facebook talking about it. There probably wasn't anyone on Instagram talking about it. And there certainly wasn't TikTok around for people to talk about it. So I had to learn the hard way, just kind of clicking around and and making a ton of mistakes at the same time. Yeah, there's a, a lot that can be told about this story into the future and, and for people looking back. And this community and the Award Travel 101 community, I believe, was one of the first and early adopters of a Facebook group. Before that, people had to join message boards like Flyer Talk or count on some of the frequent flyer blogs that you might find on boarding area or the TPG, which at that point in time was a little bit more focused on this kind of stuff. But it just was not out there. And I remember when I first came across it, I found One Mile at a Time. I think that was the very first blog that I started reading. And I read one or two things from it. I actually found it through a Rolling Stone article or something like that. And I said, ooh, this is scary stuff. Is he talking about travel hacking? This stuff must be illegal or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of crazy like that. And I just, I find it fascinating to see how far it's come and how many communities have popped up since and how many different ways people can get information. And it's great because there is so much more information than when you started. And even when I started, you know, I, I've been in this for a little while, but I really didn't get serious about it until like the end of 2017. Yeah, that was kind of the same thing with me. You know, I found TPG and one mile at a time. And like, that was literally the first thing I would do every morning was literally read every article that they had posted the last day. And, you know, like you mentioned, and so many resources, so many Facebook groups now dedicated to helping redeem the points of miles. It's crazy. I wish 10 years ago there was this amount of resources <laughs> because I think I would have finally started redeeming my points sooner rather than later. I think like literally I tell this story a lot, like the first couple of years, like I just only cared about re earning points. Right. Like, like a squirrel, like I was just hoarding all of my points. And then finally, I was like, okay, I've got like a million points here. I have to do something with these. And finally just started making random redemptions without any sort of plan to them for me. Yeah, I remember my first time going to one of the events where I started to understand the hobby. And the I went to, in 2018, I said, I need to pick up pick it up because I'm I'm kind of starting to generate some of these points, but I'm not finding the redemptions that others in the community are posting about and discussing. And I say in the community in the terms that I wasn't in any of these communities back in 2017. I didn't join my first Facebook community until like spring of 2018, right ahead of an event. And I remember talking to the founder of this group, Richard Kerr, and I said, hey, you know, would you use miles and points to do this? I couldn't find the redemption I wanted. And he said, well, are they getting more valuable or or not. So like I was not using them either. And it took me a few years. I think it was 2018, really before. And I started collecting them at the end of 2014. But it was like 2018 before I started saying, okay, I'm going to start unloading some of these. Yeah. I think if I was able to remember what like my first couple redemptions were, I probably did not get good value out of my points. And honestly, I would probably be ashamed to tell everyone <laughs> what those are, to be honest. Like, I remember my first redemption, okay? That one was actually good. But the subsequent ones, they definitely probably were extremely shameful. <laughs> well, with that in mind, let's uh, jump into a couple of the questions I have listed here. And do you remember when it 
finally started hitting home that the power of travel rewards and loyalty programs really could benefit you. And, and uh, when you were going to um, start making more out of this space than just, hey, I'm going to do a quick free night hotel or, a, you know, a flight, you know, locally or something like that. For me, it was like I literally stumbled across a review of Japan Airlines first class, right? And I was just starting to get into, into it. I wasn't redeeming anything at all at that time. But I was like, okay, 80,000 points, AA miles, Japan Airlines first class, $5.60, or I could pay $8,000 for this. <laughs> like that, that was literally like my light bulb moment. And I actually was oddly enough in Toronto, like at a, at a Delta hotel when I figured this out, like <laughs> staring at the CN, CN tower, just going, Oh my gosh, there's so much more I can do with that. And I was on a mattress run in Toronto at that time. Like I learned what a mattress run was. So I was like, okay, I got to take a mattress run. That was my very first introduction was my very first meetup. And I went out to Seattle in like January, February of 2018. And I'd never heard of a mattress run prior to that. And I was like, what are these people talking about? Why would you spend money or use your rewards to go stay somewhere without uh, actually staying? And what's the point of that? And uh, obviously, you know, as you get deeper into this space, you start seeing some of the value that can be returned from having status or some of the perks that come with that that outweigh the cost of doing that. So what was your first credit card or your first rewards credit card? Do you remember that? First travel one was definitely like like the old Amex, like Premier Gold, right? Before they refreshed it. That was like mm-hmm. my first card. But I definitely rocked a Bank of America cashback card for okay. a really long time before that. And a lot of people do take that Bank of America, the cash rewards, uh, those people who get into buying groups and things like that, uh, they push some of the limits on those and opportunities where you can make uh, a lot of cash back and you maybe not need the points, but that's certainly not our interest here, at least in this community, in the Award Travel 101 community so much. So Amex Premier, Premier Rewards Gold, I definitely remember that. I actually, my Premier Rewards Gold was product changed into what is now the Amex Gold Card. And there were actually a few benefits that were better than what the gold card is. You didn't have a cap on your grocery store spend, but it was only, what was it? 2X? It was 2X, I think it was, for grocery and 2X for gas or something like that. And now you have the 4X for grocery and dining. Yeah, it's definitely a lot better now than it was in the past, for sure, considering that most of my spend is on food now so with that are you applying for multiple cards or are you generating points through alternative spend through whether it be buying groups businesses things like that what what are you doing to generate your rewards today so i know a couple years ago i sat down i was like i'm gonna take buying groups super seriously in the next year and then like the new year happened and there was hardly any like a good buying groups thing so i like lost my motivation for buying groups a lot i still do a lot of the amazon ones but I'm generally applying for a new credit card about once every eight weeks, just based on my spending. And I'm really lucky that I have a family that super supports like my spending <laughs> and helps me for anything, which is great because I it would be tough for me to make any sort of spend without them. But last year, we generated a ton of points because one of my family members was building a house. Okay. And I, I was able to put all of their materials on a credit card. So I think I was applying for a new one like once every month for that. But I think this year I'm going to do like four or five. I have to pay taxes. So that's going to be a big one that I'll probably sprinkle in a few more, especially if there's like a really great offer come up all of a sudden. So with great offers, is there any great offers you're working on right now? So I just got the Chase Inc. for spurred. So I'm working on my $6,000 in spend so I can get my 100,000 chase points, which I desperately need some chase points this year. But I also think I'm going to get that new Alaska offer because I always like to have some Alaska miles on hand and 70,000 Alaska miles seems really enticing right now. And I'm going to backtrack just a second because you said that it was the chasing preferred, correct? That was the card you went 
Because that one has an 8,000 minimum spend. I clearly should have taken a nap before this. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Well, I've already spent $6,000 on it, so uh, I still have like two more months to do there this. There you so, go. Yeah, so I'm working on the Chase Inc. Preferred right now. Hard to pass up 100,000 Chase points after spending $8,000 in the first three months, really. So I desperately need some Chase points anyway, so hard to pass that one up for me. Me as well, and that was something I had my wife apply for, so she just got it earlier this month as we record this. Uh, I would have been last month as people are listening to it, so it was a heck of an offer, 100,000 points for $8,000 spend. And then with the benefit being that I got to refer her for another 40,000 points, I do happen to have a stash of Chase Ultimate Rewards because that's not my favorite currency to use for airline redemptions. But I do love that for my Hyatt stuff. And we'll jump into that in a second here with you. So tell us a little bit about some of your favorite loyalty programs, whether it be hotel, whether it be airline, whether it be car rental, what are some of your favorite places to book and use? We won't hear anything about car rentals from me. <laughs> uh, I don't like driving just in general. So the thought of having to like rent a car just seems like a disaster waiting for me. I think I've only rented a car one time in the last five years, to be honest, but at least on the hotel side, and I might be just a little bit biased, but Hyatt is my best hotel chain for redeeming points. Really hard to pass up 45,000 point nights at the top luxury properties. And we're talking, you know, Park Hyatt Maldives, Lila, Ventana Big Sur versus a program like Marriott where you're going to pay up to 150,000 points per night for some of these same type properties. So the value that you can get just from Hyatt is exponentially higher just on the points required. Take the cash aside just on the points you're going to save anyways. On the airline side, I have two favorites, Air Canada. There are so many airlines that you can redeem through with almost 50 airlines, right? I mean, that's in in insane. Who's ever running their program obviously loves to redeem points, loves to fly, <laughs> loves to make partnerships and everything. So yeah. great job to Air Canada for their massive, incredible loyalty program. Air Canada, you know, they have some great partnerships Oman Air, ANA, Lufthansa, Avianca, Air New Zealand as well. You pretty much get anywhere with Air Canada without having to do separate tickets, most likely, for the most part. And what's interesting to go with that is that you can uh, mix in some partners who wouldn't typically be tied to that alliance, which is like your Etihad guests, which are somewhat restricted, I guess, right now. But some of these other partners which fly around the world from the Middle East, Emirates, Singapore even, you know, Singapore at less than what Singapore charges for their own flight. So, you know, being able to piece these all together, of course, they're a star alliance carrier, but being able to piece in non-alliance carriers is really what makes that so powerful a program. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why the world's longest flight, 19 hours, JFK to Singapore and back. 87,500 points with Air Canada. You want to fly that with Singapore? It's a minimum of 123,000 miles. So just right there, you're saving over 30,000 miles. And that's not even including a transfer bonus right. to Air Canada. The transfer bonuses are what really started kind of kicking it into gear for me back in 2018. I started seeing Oh, you know, I can, and my goal at that time was to take my family to Hawaii. And my wife was like, you know, coming from, I'm not quite East Coast, but, you know, Midwestern state, you and I are both from Ohio. So, you know, the struggle getting across to Hawaii is often more difficult than getting over to Europe. And she's like, I am not going with two kids and our kid is, uh, our oldest son is on the spectrum. So that's always, you know, a lot of fun getting you know, on the plane and settled and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, I'm not going if we're sitting in the back of the plane. And my wife, I mean, we've always flown economy. We're usually flying like Spirit or Frontier or budget airlines. And suddenly she's like some bougie queen trying to be like, hey, we're, I'm not doing this unless we're getting a bed. <laughs> and so Virgin <laughs> Atlantic with some transfer points and bonus. And at that time, 
and they had the chart. It was like 37,500 if you could find awards on Delta and you back that out. I mean, with a 30% transfer bonus, it's like 30,000 points a person each way and, you know, a heck of a deal. So that's killer, especially coming from the Midwest. We drove over to Detroit. They had a, they'd just opened the route at the time. And so it wasn't heavily booked. And as soon as they opened it, like there was a ward space and and it was well into the future, into the summer. I, I was shocked with it, but it was Detroit to Honolulu nonstop and it's on the old 764s. So it was not like the newest, nicest Delta suites that everybody talks about today, but it was, you know, again, for somebody who was used to flying budget carriers prior, it was a, a, quite a step up. <laughs> so you mentioned nice, another nice, program nice. in, the, and I, before I cut you off, sorry. So my other one is uh, American Airlines. Miles are a little bit hard to earn for the most part because they aren't really uh, a part of tons of transfer programs, but the the amount of miles that they require for their partner redemptions is great value. You know, 80,000 points to fly Qantas business class to Australia, 110,000 points to fly Cathay first to Hong Kong. And then I mentioned this uh, in the beginning, but want to fly to Japan and Japan Airlines first class, 80,000 points right there. I mean, the amount of value that you can get on the partners is just insane. And I actually wanted to circle back to something you said there. So you said, that you found this 80,000 point first class flight and that was back in when? So I found that like September of a couple of years ago for and, that. But And the reason I asked is, is because I wanted to get to where it is today. It's still 80,000 points in exactly. first class. Exactly, yeah. It hasn't <laughs> changed. So I thought that was a trick question. <laughs> no, not at all. It was. It's still 80,000 points or miles after all these years. So you found this years and years ago, and we don't know that, you know, by the time this episode airs, it could change. Who knows? But, you know, as of right now, it's the exact same price. So 80,000 miles for first class flights to Tokyo on Japan Airlines and their first class service, which is often considered or regarded as one of the better uh, carriers for top-end first-class service. Obviously, the U.S. carriers have ditched first-class, so you won't find that on United, Delta, or American anymore. They still kind of have it on some of their planes, but they're phasing that out by the end of this year or early next year. That will be gone. Yeah, it's such a bummer that some U.S. airlines are phasing that out, but I guess they need to focus on making their business class product more competitive compared to other airlines so they can make their business class more competitive on okay with that yeah i mean a business class for most travelers outside of the award travel space i think is like a dream like hey that oh someday maybe i'll be able to afford that and once you start dealing in these loyalty programs and you dig into it you don't even have to be super advanced but once you have a little bit of understanding of, hey, I can get this credit card bonus and that's enough to fly this airline in business class. You say, hey, maybe a spouse and I can do this or it's not just something, I keep, I keep hearing a lot of people say this, well, it's only for one person or it's only for two per people. It gets harder when you add more people, but that doesn't mean it's only for one person or a single person or you can do this with families. I've seen times where people book Q suites and the Q suites with the the family style in four of them and and it's it takes a little bit of effort. It's not just going to be there like a cash fair, but it is possible. Yeah, and I think last year Effie had dropped a bunch of apartment space where there was like up to six or eight seats or something available. So I saw entire families hopping on that. That space was was available. Yeah, that was that was the London to Abu Dhabi flight. So you mm -hmm. could book it with um, American miles and some people were able to book it with aeroplan miles. Although some people were also ran into trouble with the aeroplan bookings. I, I vaguely recall there being some cancellations because there seems to be some sort of dispute between aeroplan and Etihad, at least for their business class awards and first class awards right now. So... With that, let's talk about some of your highlights. And again, you've said you've been doing this for almost 10 years now, and you jumped in, got a little bit more serious, and now you're booking and helping other people book these and 
teaching them how to travel with award travel techniques. Uh, is there a place that you've gone to that was just so mind-boggling to you that you said, man, I could go here over and over, and I can't imagine that I would have ever been able to do this in my life before travel rewards and miles and point. Oh man, tons of places, but I think the top at the list would have to be Japan. It's just so incredible, just from nature, the big cities and everything. Like I could easily go to Japan multiple times a year and be happy. And if that's the only place I ever went for the rest of my life, I probably would be happy doing that just because everywhere you go, it's so different. Um, than the last place you went to. Yeah, I've booked that for this summer for my, I, I found happened to be sleeping on a, an alert from our partners over at Thrifty Traveler that had a ward space from Dallas, Fort Worth. I was doing my, working on my taxes that day. And by the time I went to look at it, all the space had dried up, but I was like, let me pop around some of the other hubs and see what I can find. And I happened to find one that worked perfectly for me right out of JFK on their brand new A350-1000. So I'm kind of excited nice. for that. And I got my brother and sister-in-law on the uh, flight as well, but I they're not in business class right now. They're only in premium economies. So <laughs> they'll have to suffer back there, but I don't think they, they're going to based on the topic we're going to get into here in just a little bit after I ask you just a few more questions. So Tell me a little bit about your overall travel style and and are you a fast traveler? Or are you a slow traveler? Do you like to sit back and just kind of soak it in? Or are you bouncing like uh, my co-host Angie, where she's like bouncing from place to place? Or me, I'm even a faster traveler. Like I, I don't spend any time in them to the next place as soon as I can. So I'm usually good for about five days in a place. So I feel like I'm somewhere between fast and and slow, I definitely don't like to spend weeks and weeks and weeks in, in one destination. But I also want to make sure I can kind of capture really the big essence of everything uh, just outside of some of the major tourist sites and everything. So I'm usually just for about five nights in one place, typically only, only going by myself. I don't usually travel with other people, though I told myself this year I was going to try and change that. <laughs> to be honest. It's not, I always have to preface, it's not that I just hate people. It's just, you know, not everyone has the flexibility that I have to just right. make the decision and go. So I'm usually good for a family trip a couple of times a year. But outside of that, I'm usually by myself when I travel. And are you usually then in business class or do you care if you're sitting in the back of the bus? Ooh, well, I would always prefer to be in like business in first class. But so I definitely do find myself in premium economy and economy often. And that's typically because my trips, I, I have specific redemptions that I want to do. And if I can't get that redemption around when I want to come back or leave, I'm fine putting myself back in economy as long as I'm not in the middle seat. Okay. And with that, what would you say has been your best overall deal in the process of doing this? Is this Japan Airlines first class? At 80,000 American miles, your best deal? Or is there something else that you've done along the way that said, this just blows the, the tops off of everything else I've ever done? Ooh. Um, so I'm always going to say that Japan Airlines first class one is like my top one, just because that was like the first aspirational one that I wanted to make when I got into points and miles. But for me, I think like Qantas is always going to be up there. Yeah, sure. It's not quite as good as some of the Middle Eastern airlines and the Asian carriers, but that was my first business class experience was that riding, you know, from Dallas to Sydney, like 16, 17 hours in business class, being able to sleep overnight on an A380 on the upper deck. You know, for me, that was like massive value just right there. Yeah, I'm sure the, the cash costs and people getting into the cents per point would be going crazy off those because I know those are not cheap at all. They're always expensive. And it's one of the reasons why a lot of people outside of the award travel space and sphere in general always think that, hey, I'm going to Australia and it's going to be a once in a lifetime experience. It can be much more than that. In fact, in next month, as I guess people are listening to this, this episode will air in early February next month in March. I will be going to Australia for 
little over 48 hours on the ground before returning. So going to meet up with some folks in Sydney for a few days and hop back so that I don't make my wife go crazy and uh, with the kids all by <laughs> herself on school days. And she's a working person as well. So I can't like strand her, but this is something I looked at and said, here is an opportunity to do something. It was something to do something fun. It's going to be going to be hard. I mean, transiting all those time zones like that, but hopefully I get some good sleep on the plane. I've got my flat seats both ways and uh, we'll see how that goes. And if I manage to survive and not be a dead person by the time I get home. But uh, I do plan to go back someday and this will not be the only time that I go. So any final thoughts on that? No. Okay, cool. Well, let's jump into our highlight feature, which was close in and you were mentioning that 60 day window. And I wanna hear from you and some tips on things that you think people are overlooking in this space when they go to book their next trip. Yeah. So when we talk about close-in award space, you know, obviously that 60-day mark. So let's say you want to leave on February 1st. You know, we're talking that 60-day mark really starts hitting on December 1st, right? And a lot of the better award space starts opening up in that type time, time frame. And like you kind of mentioned, in the beginning, you know, you saw a lot of Japan Airlines first class award availability opening up around 14 days prior to your departure. And they're pretty consistent about opening stuff that close in. But then you look at other airlines that open up their first class products close in, like Lufthansa first. They don't typically open that up till around 14 days prior to departure. But even right now, it seems it's more close to three days prior to departure as well. And AMA first class, kind of the same thing. Around a week, it starts opening up. And for a lot of people that are trying to travel, you know, most of us, we do have jobs. We're tied to a certain schedule. You know, we can't say, okay, I'm going to leave over this one month period and wait till 14 days prior to departure to make (laughs) that, you know, decision. Okay, I'm going to leave. Or you can't say, okay, well, tomorrow I found the award space. I guess I'm leaving. What you can do is you can find alternatives that's going to get you there, right? So maybe, you know, a year out, six months out or something, you found economy seats and you're okay flying economy for the flight there. And it's going to get you, let's just say, San Francisco to Tokyo for that. Well, just because you book a flight doesn't mean that's the end of the story. You can cancel your flight, get your points back. You find that business class flight, well, all you got to do is transfer those extra points over, call in or change online to be able to make the change. Or maybe it's in a different award program, transfer the points there, book the flight there, cancel your economy flight. There's nothing wrong with having a backup plan and then changing to the better one as it becomes available. Yeah, I think as I first started working on this community and I was first brought on, you know, I was kind of a beginner and I, was, I often called myself a newbie who maybe knew a little bit more. And I still think in that manner a lot of times. So, you know, those old habits are hard to break where you think, hey, grab that space as soon as possible. Yes, there's a reason to grab certain space as soon as possible. I mean, if you can find the Jow first class at 80,000 points, it's not getting any cheaper no matter how you do it, unless I guess perhaps you book Alaska real quick before that increase hits. So if you use, I think it's 70,000 Alaska miles to book the exact same thing. So if you can find it really far out, that's great. You know, grab it when you can. But just because it is, like you said, you're not locked out just because, hey, I I booked an economy seat. I know I want to go to Japan during this window, but there may be something that opens up. And this is something that I started really understanding more uh, as we were in peak, peak coming out of the pandemic times. When I was looking at, you know, 2021, that summer where things started getting crazy and every flight was getting canceled and changed, I was like, I'm going on my trip one way or the other. I don't care if I have three flights booked to do it. I'm getting on one of these flights somehow or the other. And then I'm canceling the rest once that flight has taken off and, and I'm, I'm on my way and I'm, guaranteed that I can do this. Once I started having that feeling like, hey, I can do this, it gets more 
it gets easier as you're going along and doing that. It's an uncomfortable feeling for us because we're so locked into where we got started oftentimes with cash prices where they're non-cancelable fares and the airline keeps our money. That's not always the case with awards. So you talked about that, that confidence, knowing that you can say, okay, I know something better is going to open up. And that's why I love flexible calendars, right? So American Airlines, United, those are two of the biggest flexible calendars that I love to use. And they're perfect for finding that confidence. So if you want to leave a year from now and go somewhere and you see, you know, right now it's, let's just say 150,000 United miles to fly to Europe. So let's just say JFK to Lisbon for this or Newark to Lisbon because they wouldn't fly from JFK. It would be 150,000 points. But if you start backing up that flexible calendar, you'll notice the closer that you get, the more that 80,000, 88,000 points are opening up and you'll start to see, you do that over a couple of weeks, you'll start to see, okay, it's going to open up at 30 days out. So I know I can wait till that 30 days out. Or if you just don't feel that confidence to be able to do that, book that plan B flight, get a flight secured, and then switch to that one as it becomes available. But if you just monitor those flexible calendars, you'll see how the pricing changes, whether or not that's positive or negative as well. Because there are some routes that I don't really ever see consistent award space open up at. And that's why those flexible calendars are key. So you can see that. Yeah. When last summer I was booking a trip for my father and me, we went to Europe and Croatia specifically to go trace some family heritage and see some things that he hadn't even seen when he visited last. It was my first time over there. But I, I said, you know, I have to kind of make this an award travel vacation myself. So I've got to up the game here and, and do some fun things. And while I had United Business Class locked in, I'd found that with a thrifty travel alert we'd gotten early on in 2023. Said, hey, this is great. I just tossed that in. I said, I know I can certainly cancel that if it, if I have to, but I really want to fly the 747 on Tanza. That if I can grab that and if I could grab it in first class, man, that would be amazing. And you mentioned that three day window. Mine was actually 26 hours ahead of the flight. So I grabbed it 26 hours out. I called my dad and I said, hey, we are leaving a day earlier than we actually <laughs> planned to. And so we had another flight that was going out the following day. And I said, we're leaving a day earlier because Lufthansa just opened up two seats. And funny enough, it was available right on the dot. I think it was like 3 p.m. Eastern time or something like that. But none of the award tools, it didn't pop in Expert Fire, which it wouldn't anymore because they don't monitor Star Alliance. It didn't pop up in any of the uh, award search tools like and alerts, whether it be Seats.Aero or I can't remember what a couple of the others. I think I maybe had Rome, Seats.Aero and Expert Fire set for it. And not one of those popped, but I got on right at the time I knew they were going to become available, snagged them through Life Miles. I'd actually had taken advantage of a transfer bonus right ahead of that. So I was kind of anticipating that that was going to come to fruition. And for roughly 150,000 miles, both my dad and I flew with tons of first class on the 747 and flew across. We had six people in an eight-person cabin, and that was my first true international first class experience. And it was something that was just wonderful to be able to share that with him because I told him we were getting first class, but I mean, he he's always been an economy flyer himself. So he he didn't know what was coming and he was just like blown away. Yeah, I remember seeing those pictures after you took that flight and like how happy your dad was just being first class. As like, this, this is what Points and Miles <laughs> is about. Forget all of those sent for point and everything, but building those memories that's what Points and Miles is all about and sharing those experiences with the people that you love. Yeah. And and again, it's breaking that old habit and mentality and and not it's not a guarantee, right? So we're we're not gonna ever say, hey, you can always break this these into these awards close in, because close in has different terminologies. You obviously you're you're referring to it within 60 days. I think a lot of times most people refer to it within 14 to 21 days. There are different different uh, phases, I guess, or different steps that where you're going to be looking at this. And I have tons of alerts set for different things. But like right now, I'm looking at something that I'm tracking 
and trying to help somebody with. And as soon as we hit the 90 day window, like all of a sudden I'd start, like all these alerts are popping up and it's just because these awards have been overpriced and maybe cash prices are high and the airlines are trying to cash in. That's, that's what they want. They're trying to make money. They're not a charity service here. They're, they're, they're a corporation that's trying to make money. Our goal is to try to do it for as little as possible. And we want to find that low cost award. And sometimes that award might just pop up the day before you have to fly. And so I did this example back in October. I had a conference I wanted to attend. I had overpriced awards booked just to lock in my seat. And then, you know, just before the day or so before I canceled that. And in fact, actually I had enough miles and I would recommend that if you have the awards that you book the flight at the lower cost first to make sure that it just doesn't disappear when you cancel your other one. But I did that and then I saved like 40 some thousand United miles simply rebooking the flights at the lower cost. I sacrificed get first class or business class domestically. But, you know, I said, I'm willing to give that up to save the amount of miles because I know I can do a lot better with these somewhere in another way. And it turned out on the one flight, it was so funny. I, I sacrificed my first class upgrade, which I'd received with uh, status. And I, I asked my community, I said, would you give this up? And they're like, no, we're, we're not giving up the upgrade. I was like, I am. And I think within 60 minutes of rebooking, I was reconfirmed. I was the first person upgraded, re-upgraded on the flight. So it didn't matter. I was next in line and got the upgrade anyway. So you definitely can do this. There is, like you said, a level of confidence. With, it comes with understanding that it is possible to book these short notice. It may not be on the perfect date that you want. I mean, if you want May 31st, 2025, it might be May 30th, 2025 that opens up. If you're trying to go now, it might be February 2nd instead of February 1st. You know, there, there is some stage where you have to look and say, I have a little bit of flexibility. And the more you have of that, obviously, the better chances you have of nabbing that aspirational award. Yeah, you definitely hit that flexibility on the nose there. The more restrictions you give yourself to be able to redeem your points, the more you're setting yourself up for failure with your redemption. Like you said, I want to leave on June 28th and I want to fly from St. Louis to Prague nonstop. There's obviously not a flight that does that, but the more restrictions that you give you, I want to leave at 11, by 11 a.m. And I want to arrive by 3 p.m. You're just setting yourself up for failure. And then you're going to go, well, this is obviously, you know, fake. This, this is a scam. Points and miles is a scam because you're not giving yourself that flexibility. Maybe you're not flexible with your dates because you have school holidays that you have, have to deal with. Well, give yourself the flexibility to fly a different routing instead of looking just from St. Louis to Prague, look Chicago to Prague. Houston to Prague, JFK to Prague, and that'll set you up for further success. Or maybe just St. Louis to somewhere else in Europe, and you grab a separate flight to Prague. You know, the more restrictions, the less likely the redemption is going to work out in your favor. There, We had a, a discussion in the community uh, just the other day about this very subject, and somebody asked in one of the posts that would you pay uh, cash for a flight uh, in between two European uh, zone cities and or use awards. And I said, well, it really depends on the cost of the the uh, ticket. I mean, is the ticket a high fare? When I was doing my trip to catch the other aspirational return flight home from Europe, I said, hey, I, I know I want to be on Emirates. And I wanted to jump on that before they had their award hike. And I did that. I got their business class, but I also knew that I had a goal to get into their first class. And I knew that oftentimes if they had open seats, you can upgrade in the lounge or at the check-in desk. And that's what I ended up doing. I actually knew that's what I wanted to do. And so I, I set myself up. I said, I'm going to position from, where was I? In Dubrovnik. I was in Dubrovnik and I had to, there was no nonstop from Dubrovnik to Milan. So I had to connect through Austria and the cash prices on those tickets at the time were insane. I mean, we're talking like $350 a person in economy 
but it was like 6,500 aeroplan miles because such, it was such a short distance of actual travel. Even with the connection, it was like 400 and some miles or something, you know, small like that. So it was like 6,500 6, aeroplan miles and like 60 bucks cash. I was like, that's a good redemption. But if it's $99, I'm not going to sit there and spend $60 cash and, and six, 7,000 points. It's just pay cash and not have to deal with the intermediary which is Aeroplan, since they never answer their phones, I'm willing to risk it if I'm getting a higher value and a higher return, but I'm not willing to risk it for, you know, saving 20 or 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you can definitely use positioning flights, especially internationally in Europe. You can use them in Asia. There's tons of carriers that you can get from place to place and save some money. A lot of people talk about free. What's your feeling when they talk about free in this community? It's not truly free. For the most part, all flights, they're going to have those associated taxes and fees, whether or not it's five dollars and sixty cents or, you know, thousand, a thousand bucks in taxes and fees. Right. And, and even the hotels, you know, you might really get out with zero dollars on those. You know, like I booked the Grand Hyatt Kauai for February and I used one hundred and fifty thousand Hyatt points. No cash for that. Technically, it's free. But. I spent money on a credit card to generate that. So I spent some money to generate those points, but it's never truly free. It's almost free. And and there is a, a second side that a lot of people tend to overlook, which is that in so in so taking these awards, you're actually giving up cash back that you could have earned. So there's that cost that could be associated with it. Not to mention the time and investment to learn how to properly strategize to make these kind of aspirational rewards and redemptions happen, you know, knowing the things that you're talking about right now here is that, hey, if I, I know, if I look then over the next two weeks at the destination I want to go, am I seeing that those, those flights and those business class or first class flights, if that's what you're looking for, open? And can I repeat that and test that over and over? Can I try that again in two more weeks and see, is that going to repeat? And does that become a pattern? So you can kind of hold out and have some hope that that's going to happen, which is why I said I wasn't afraid to put my brother and sister-in-law in premium economy. It's 50,000 miles versus 60,000 in business class. And I figure that probably, you know, as we start looking at May, June, and even July, it's very possible that that space opens up. I cancel their premium economy awards, put them in business class with me. It's 10,000 miles extra. And then they get a true bed instead of a recliner chair, which does look pretty nice, actually. I mean, it looks a lot better than anything you would see on today's 737s or 321 family, but it's still not quite lie flat if you want that bed experience. So with that, Allison, do you have any other things we have before we hop off that you want to share and inspire listeners with? Yeah, I would say utilize the tools that you have available, especially if you're trying to do something close in and you're not really sure where you want to go. So I love using Seats.Aero and using their Explore features for the different programs that they track. I mean, you can just put in different airline codes, filter between regions and everything, and it'll show you where you can fly, whether or not it's with a stop or a non-stop. I really just like to focus on the non-stops myself for that, but it will show you where you can go. And that helps you make the determination and go, okay, well, on these dates, I can fly to these destinations. What do I like best? And you choose that one, or maybe there's only one destination on that day and that's where you're going. That's okay. But utilize those tools to help you find what you're trying to do. Yeah. I think there's a nice balance between using seats.arrow and point.me where you can kind of dig in. Point.me has a little bit broader set of search tools so they can find more things than necessarily Seats.Arrow will. But if you use Seats.Arrow, Seats.Arrow is a great aggregate. And there are some really cool things you can do where by some of the things we were talking about is like, hey, we can get to Europe and then pick up a positioning flight. Maybe we we'll want to go to Italy, but the business class is to Spain or maybe it's to Germany. And Seats.Aero has a great aggregate feature where you can search all of the U.S. to all of Europe, or you can search the East Coast to all of Europe, or you can search the West Coast to Asia. And there are 
all the major airports and you can really zoom in on the parts where you have your rewards and do some cool features like that. So I think learning how to use the tools, we have a podcast episode, which I'll link back into the show notes. The listeners can go see some of the tools we use to help us with finding these different redemptions. I think there are some great opportunities members can have using the tips you shared here with us. Where can members who are looking for some extra assistance find you? You can find me on Instagram at LuckyTikTok and then also on my website, awardtravelvacations.plan. I also hang around in pretty much every major points group as well because I have no other hobbies other than just literally (laughs) redeeming points and miles. So you'll also see me in there as well. So feel free to prick my brain anytime. Yeah, and she joins us uh, frequently in our sessions and helps a lot of the Award Travel 101 community members on Facebook uh, with answering questions about different destinations or tips booking flights. So, Allison, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Award Travel 101 podcast and safe travels. Thank you. Appreciate it. To join the conversation, ask questions, and get answers from over 100,000 members and our support team, you can join us in the free Award Travel 101 community on Facebook. For more intermediate and advanced strategies, join Award Travel 201 to start ramping up your earning and burning techniques. To book time with our team and to learn how to better earn and burn or work on your specific credit card strategies, check out our Award Travel one-on-one consulting service. You can also email us at contactawardtravel at gmail.com with any questions. Our next meetup is located in San Antonio, Texas on April 26th through the 28th, 2024, and it is sold out. Tony will be presenting, as will one of our past guests from episode 43, Justin Bakula, and Award Wallet's Ryan Smith from episode 48, you can get on our wait list now. To learn more about our meetup, visit Taco Bout a Fiesta on Eventbrite. And don't forget to support the Award Travel 101 podcast and community when applying for your next rewards card.